1: Hey everybody, welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simiyu, and uh, bringing you another live show looking ahead to the trip to Old Trafford. And joining me better late than never is <laughs> the brilliant uh, Mr. Mike Stavri. Welcome back, mate. How are you? Hi, mate.
2: Yeah, it's good to be here. A bit of an upgrade from the man cave, isn't it?
1: Yeah, indeed. Indeed. Uh, It certainly, certainly is. Uh, On this edition of the show, guys, we are going to be discussing uh, the end to the transfer window. I think it's worth a conversation. I think it's worth uh, a back and forth. We're also going to look ahead to the game uh, coming up at Old Trafford this weekend. Arsenal have a really big game, I think, in a lot of people's eyes in terms of proving that the progress is there and showing that we are a different side to maybe the one that we've had over the the last few seasons. Uh, as you can see we are broadcasting live from the 90 min studio and uh, we haven't worked out how Mike can start the stream without then having to walk across the room. <laughs> we're getting there me. guys we're getting we're there getting there exactly. We're getting there. Um Mike first of all how are you mate?
2: Yeah I'm good mate I'm good. We're a really good show TFP today uh, on the 90 min network. So if you haven't seen that Go to the Nightingale Football YouTube page and check it out. Good discussion with uh, Scott Saunders, Grizz and yourself. Yeah, big weekend of football coming up. And the uh, prime fixture is us against United. It's our first real, I wouldn't say real test, but first test against a a side that we'll be competing with for for the top four places. So, yeah, I'm nervous. I'm excited. um, But I'm
1: looking forward to it. Me too me too no no actually no not me too i'm not looking forward to this at all i i I just never look forward to trips to old trafford i just i I always feel as though it's it's always going to be a difficult game for us i always feel as though arsenal need to be at their absolute maximum and need a bit of fortune as well in order to get the result there um you know maybe that's a bit of a hangover from from my sort of early years supporting arsenal you know we've but how many times have we said it over the years mike that this is a Manchester United team that we could go there and beat and then it never really happens, does it?
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right, we always do say that and one loss in particular sticks in my mind when Marcus Rashford scored twice because at Old Trafford, when he was first coming through at United and he sticks out because you looked at their team on, on paper and it was awful, it was diabolical and you looked at it and thought, there's no way Arsenal can't win here and, you know, lo and behold, we lost. Um, I think it's been a lot more even the last few years because United have dropped off and they've you know, stooped down to our level in a way. Um, but now, I mean, looking at it now, you were talking about it earlier, but um, I think we're in the ascendancy in many ways at the moment. We've got a coach that's been there for, for a long time now. Um, we've got a philosophy, we've got a brand of football now um, we've had a good transfer window overall. I'm sure we'll talk about the disappointment of deadline day later on. Um, but overall, I think we're moving in the right direction. Whereas United, I think people are getting a bit carried away that they've won three games in a row. Because you look at their sort of overall performances across those five games, um, including the two defeats at the beginning, and the performance level has been shocking, really, overall. They have improved. Um, obviously, they were great against Liverpool, but... You know that's a that's a derby game for them It's a it's a big game or a lot of rivalry there they're going to be up for that game aren't they ultimately and then you look at the following games against um against leicester and um against southampton and you know what like leicester were absolutely awful last night and if they had some competency i think that they would have they would have won because united didn't really they, they beat what was in front of them of course but they were in no way convincing against southampton I, th- I think they should have lost that game so I'm not getting too carried away on United sort of resurgence, not going to call it that. I think they've improved,
1: but they've still got a long way to go. I feel like you're quite confident about this and I, um, I, I wish I could have some of yeah. that optimism, but I just... I, I, it's nothing to do with the transfer window. I want to get that out there, right? Because a, a lot of people reacted quite strongly last night to Arsenal failing to get a deal for Douglas Luiz agreed in time. We'll come on to t- discuss that in, in just a moment. Um, But it it is for me just the fact that we're going to Old Trafford and the fact that we do have key players missing. And look, even if we'd got Douglas Luiz in yesterday, there's no guarantee that he'd have been ready to to come in and play. I know he's fit in that sense, but you know, do you sign someone on on Thursday night and then on Sunday rely on them? Yeah. You know, you you don't ever want to be in that situation. You want to give people an opportunity to bed into the group, to understand your your way of playing, your style, etc. For me it's not about the transfer window it's more about the injuries but even if we had a clean bill of health even if everybody was available there is a part of me that cannot go into games at old trafford going yeah we're going to win yeah like i'm not saying we can't win i think we can win i think we stand a very good chance of winning a better chance than maybe we've had in ages but i can't get myself into that mindset for a fixture that Mm. historically has been a really bad one for us
2: yeah i mean Yours sounds like past trauma, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, and look, it is. Look, it is. Look, a huge element of it is the injuries. And if we had a fully fit squad, I'll be confident that we'll... I'm, I think you're... I'm not saying we're going to go there and win. I just think we'll get a result. I think um, my prediction is a 2-2. That's what I think it will be. Um, but I'm not going there like filled with dread this time. Because based on what I've seen from both teams, what I've seen from us in the first five games of the season, and... For me, the Villa game was important because it was how do we react with um, two key players missing. Thomas Partey uh, injured, Oleksandr Zinchenko not risked. We heard that he trained uh, last week before the game, but wasn't risked for the game. Um, so two key players were out and we coped. We put Sambi Lukonga there, who I said in the previous show, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't play in that position. but completely fair play Arteta you know put his faith in him and he, he was really good he sort of looked to me he looked a bit nervous the first 15-20 minutes but
1: seemed he, to grow into the
2: game he, didn't he? he grew into the game and I think you know what, what he's done because he's been here for over a year now he's, he's matured a bit and he's had to I remember a bit that stood out in the documentary was um, Eddie Ketia saying to him you know what, basically what are you moaning for you know everyone has to play their role and it looks like he's understood that. So he might have been frustrated last season when he wasn't playing, but now he understands it's a squad game. There's Europa League coming. And what better way to put your sort of name in the, in the, in the manager's minds by putting in a, a top performance in a, in a new, new position relatively for him. Um, so, you know, injuries, they are obviously a, a, a ball ache, but at the end of the day, it offers players opportunities that might not have got them. So, yeah, I mean, look, I'm, I'm, I'm worried about that position because I think it's so key. Um, we got away with it against Villa with with Lukonga in midfield, and I think he was good. But Villa didn't really target him. Um, you made a good point as well, saying that you know the the number six in the system is more protected now than, than they were, the defence midfielder. And I think that's true. Um, and I don't really know what's going to happen in terms of the team selection for United, uh, whether it will be Lukongo or Zinchenko. But yeah, I'm not like I'm not filled with dread. Let's just say that.
1: Cool. Let's, um, let's dive into what Mikel Arteta had to say in today's press conference. It finished around about an hour ago at the time of recording. Just a quick reminder as well before we do that, in fact, if you haven't hit the like button, please do. Uh, it really, really does help. I know we're coming to you at a very different time. The times have been a little bit all over the place. It's been a really crazy, busy week with uh, midweek fixtures, the transfer deadline, etc., etc. So I do apologize that the schedule has been a little bit all over the place. Um, but yeah, like the video, subscribe to the channel if you're new, because we're less than 100 subscribers away from hitting 24,000. Now I said that I wanted to get to 25,000 by the end of the year. And if we manage to get to 24 uh, in the next week or so, then we are well and truly on our way. So uh, yeah, please do that. Uh, also, a quick reminder, For those of you uh, that are interested, the Gunas versus Cancer evening is tonight. Live podcast with myself, uh, FK from the Latte firm, Sophie Nicolau from the Highbury Squad, Magic Mike, of course, Tom Canton uh, from the Talk TV, uh, and esteemed journalist James Benj joins us as well. Um, Walk-ins are allowed uh, on the night, so if you are interested, go on to Twitter, search at Gunas v Cancer, and all the information is there if you go on my twitter feed you'll see that i've retweeted it a few times as well so you'll be able to pick up the information from there so uh, yeah i'd love to see as many of you as possible should be a fun night should be an interesting night and um we'll get the opportunity to raise some money for what is a very very good cause okay um let's go through then what Mikel arteta had to say mike some of the key points so um On the team news he said those two, meaning Odegaard and Ramsdale, have been assessed. We'll see more tomorrow. Hopefully they'll be available to train with the team. Unfortunately though, Alex hasn't been able to train with the team, so Zinchenko at this moment in time has not been able to train with the team. Now. There were sort of um, some rumors going around on social media earlier today. One said that Ben White hadn't trained. Yeah. No mention of that here from Mikel Arteta. Another said that Ramsdale did. I'm always really wary with Mikel Arteta yeah. to kind of take what he says in the press conference yeah. as gospel. Um, he was asked a little bit more about Zinchenko specifically said after missing two games and not being able to train with the team unfortunately that's the situation we have Uh, he was then pressed on the absences of Thomas Partey and Mohamed Elneny he said with Mo we are talking months with Thomas weeks and shorter than that I hope so I mean look, let's take it to the transfer window kind of finale then because a lot of people said We have to get a midfielder in, myself included. I felt like it was the need, I felt like it was more of a pressing need than going out and getting a winger, which a lot of people wanted. But equally, by that same token, I don't think that just because you've got a couple of injuries in a given week that you should go and drop in excess of 30, 40 million pounds on a player that maybe you're not entirely sure about. How do you feel about the way the window ended? Because it started so well. Yeah, yeah. Bit of a flat ending.
2: Yeah, and I mean, ultimately I'm not not left with a bit of taste in my mouth. Um, As you say, it started so well and, you know, I think Gabriel Jesus is a transformative signing. So is Zinchenko. I think they both... You Know, have completely changed the way that we play, the way that we approach games, our intensity, the, the, the mentality is improved. So, I think those two signings are really big needle movers and they will push us forward. Um, but then, I still think Harry, and I mentioned this on the last podcast central midfield should have been a priority. I think improving that central midfield, not necessarily a, a DM, but I think Yuri Tielemans was the, was the one to go for. Now, interestingly. I read in the Athletic earlier, James McNicholas said that um, one of the doubts that they had over um, Yuri Tiedemans was his. Uh, was, I, I think it was something about his, his defensive capabilities. Yeah, so I think obviously that makes they, sense, yeah. doesn't it? And um, we've heard from Grizz as well, um, he's a Liverpool fan. He was saying that um, Liverpool looked into his, his, his uh, running and metrics and weren't that convinced. So maybe there is something in that. And the fact that Arsenal didn't trust him. And, and anyway, it was an easy deal to do. If they wanted him, they would not They would have got him. It, we, we have to trust the club in that sense. But I just think there should have been um, a midfield addition because we can't expect Granit Xhaka to, to hold down that number eight position and perform at the level he's performing now for the whole season. I don't think it's going to happen. There's, there's going to be a drop-off somewhere. And I still think we needed more cover there. I think what I maybe would have gone for is someone who um, a central midfielder that can drop in at times if needed. I don't know who that player is, and I, of course it's easy to say, but I just feel we need one more number in there. Because for me, we knew about this Thomas Party uh, injury record, what well, we've known about it since we signed him. He's not been reliable. So to go into the season and risk having you know, your, your defensive midfielder who's so key to the system you know potentially injured for for half of the matches we we don't know what it's going to be but he's probably going to get a few injuries isn't he based on the last few seasons to not have in my eyes adequate adequate cover for that is really not good enough for me um Mohammed we've talked about and I think he's a he's a decent backup coming in but you know in the big games like against uh, against United at Old Trafford I'd want someone in there that's a bit more that's a bit more progressive than than It can do if not to the standard that par- that party does his role, but somewhere near that, and I don't think Eleni is. And obviously, with two midfielders out, it was really pressing for them to go and, and get someone. Um, and Douglas Luiz, look, I, I actually agree with the club in this because I think Villa would take in the piss, to be honest. Like, rejecting three bids on deadline day for a player whose contract is up in nine months... It's just you know i I think they're really silly to do that to be honest, because they' they're probably going to lose him on a free now in nine months, so that's twenty five million quid that they've missed out on, so they loss, lost really i mean look it, it would have been a good cover player how good is he i don't I don't know it's difficult to say, isn't it um there's, you know, he's his second choice to, to their new signing Kamara. So that tells you if he can't even, you know, get into the starting eleven of a of a team like Villa, who are at the bottom of the table, what does that tell you about him? I know Arteta worked with him at, at Man City, and he would have been decent cover, but how big of an upgrade on Elneny is he? I don't know.
1: I, I I think he is an upgrade on Elneny. I think he's yeah, got, an upgrade. But is it yeah, a big enough yeah. upgrade? Is what yeah. you're saying? I think he is an upgrade. I think he's a significant upgrade. I think the other thing that gave me kind of encouragement around this was that this is not a player that Arsenal just woke up on deadline day and decided he'll be a good option. We've heard these links a lot yeah. in the past. We've heard that Mikel Arteta rates him very highly, that Arsenal consider him as someone who could come into the squad and do a good job. I did find it bizarre as well that, that Villa was so adamant they wouldn't sell. Yeah. Given a couple of things. First of all, Steven Gerrard basically said after the Arsenal game, that there's a chance that he would leave. Um, you know, he said, I like the player, you know, I think of the player, but with his contract situation the way it is, the club have to do what's best for the club. That was a, yeah, the door is open plea. It, yeah. You know, I, I don't know what else to, to yeah. make of that. or I don't know how else really anybody could have read that. And I think maybe that gave encouragement to Arsenal to go in on the final day. Not that, They hadn't watched him before, but in the sense of, well, actually, maybe he is available. Yeah. And given the injuries we've had and got, maybe that's something we could do. But to reject what they rejected in the end, which was £25 million, for, as you say, a player with nine months on his contract, that was strange to me. I thought at £25 it was going to happen. I really, really did. And so some of my disappointment around the end of the window comes from the fact that throughout the course of the day, despite... All the publications saying, you know, Villa ain't selling, they they don't want to know, they're not interested. I kind of felt that there was always a strong possibility that that was going to happen. But it didn't in the end. Um, Another interesting comment from Mikel Arteta's press conference was uh, where he said, we had a lot of things to do still in the squad, talking about deadline day here. The club has done a phenomenal job to bring in players that we wanted. Unfortunately, in the last 72 hours, Thomas and Mo got injured, and we had to react in the market. We tried, and at the end of the day, we have to bring in the players we feel are right, but we didn't manage to do it. Which suggests to me what I kind of tweeted last night, and and a lot of people disagreed with me online when I said, the fact that Arsenal have waited this long, given that they have been very Mm organised in the window so far with regards to incomings, can only mean that they were forced into the market by these injuries and had zero intention yeah. of bringing in a midfielder prior to that. But that, to me, is wrong. Yeah. Uh, do you not agree?
2: Yeah, and I don't, I don't really know. Look, and I, I think there's, a, there, there's something we have to think about with this club in that you would say overall the last, the last summer transfer window and this transfer window, in terms of the players that they've brought in, you'd say all of them, you're, you're pretty confident that, that they've done well with the right signings maybe apart from Fabio Vieira, but only because we've not seen him yet. He could go on to be a, be a great player. Mm. But I think their transfers and the success of the transfers have warranted faith. Um, but for me and for so many fans, we're all saying it, how glaringly obvious uh, the, the deficiencies in midfield are and how we are, you know, a Thomas Partey injury away from not disaster, but a, a really big problem. Because now... We're playing twice a week, um, Sundays and, and Thursdays, with Albert sambi Laconga as our only real defensive midfielder. And even he, I think, based on pre-season, was being primed for a number eight role. So, you know, it's, will Jacques have to drop in there at, at some point? I, I don't know. But I think Arteta has been very reluctant to do that for one reason or another. I don't think he's the right profile of player that he's looking for in that position. So, yeah, I mean... It really is strange to me and what he says is that they really trust on any and that's the reason they gave him the contract extension because they believe that it's good enough and yes it is unlucky to lose two players in one position at one time well, uh, if you
1: includes zinchenko we've lost three
2: yeah yeah of course and to be honest like just reading into arteta's comments you know there's been rumors about zinchenko training twice i think he's been a bit coy about that and for me i think zinchenko will be a capable deputy at defensive midfield but It's whether you put him into midfield at the detriment of left-back and what you lose from having him at left-back. And against Man United, the way that they played against Liverpool, the way that they swarmed them and the way that, you know, it it wasn't Fabinho that played in midfield, was it? No, I, I think it was Fabinho that played in midfield. But, you know, a player of his ilk, they just completely took him out of the game. And to think, you know, this is an experienced season pro, what they could do to Lokonga is a bit worrying. So that's why, if it was me, I probably would put Zinchenko in there because he's got a bit more naus, a bit more experience at that level, a bit more, um, I don't want to say bottle because that sounds harsh to Lokonga, but, you know, he's been there, done it, sort of thing. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just going back to transfers quickly, midfield, but you, I talk about midfield, but also winger. Like, I think we're, we're short. I think Marquinhos and Vieira have been brought in to maybe play from the right wing, maybe Vieira will play number eight. But for me, I've not seen a thing of him, so I don't know if he's ready. But, you know, we're, again, we're another injury away from a big problem. Saka goes down. I know you're saying that, you know, Martinelli, Jesus
1: and... Uh, or uh, I think State Vieira plays play there. there. I, think, I think Vieira, I think yeah, Marquinhos, but, I think... But we've not seen enough to say that they the, the, the do a job. Agreed, but clearly the club have. Because you don't go and drop £35 million on a player like Fabio Vieira without doing yeah. your homework. Yeah. So we might not have seen enough. And so it's difficult for us to say with any real conviction or confidence that Fabio Vieira can do that job, for example. Yeah. But Arsenal must believe that. And so that, that's why the wide thing to me, I'd have preferred another player, but it wasn't as baffling. Yeah. The midfield one... It's not that we haven't got enough midfielders, enough mm. bodies. It's that we haven't got enough of the right profile yep. to play. I don't know if Le Conga's a six or an eight. I can't work it out. I'm not sure. Adrian Clark was on the show last night. Um, if you haven't checked that episode out, it was brilliant as it always is with Adrian. Please do. Um, and he said that he's a bit of an in-between. Yeah, I can't work it out. So it's yeah. about profiles that fit yeah. specific positions.
2: With the, with the wing position though, I understand what you're saying. The club think that you know Marquinhos and Vieira are good enough to, to come in. But we're still talking about reliance on youngsters. And the fact that I think we were, we were looking at Rafinha is because we, we want to take the pressure off Saka's shoulders. Um, because if you look at... at, at we, we've got obviously an experienced season pro up top in Jesus but on the wings we've still got, we've still got young players and so to, they've been absolutely amazing I can't state enough how impressed I've been especially Martinelli I called it before the season this is going to be his breakout year he's going to be sensational but again you're relying on you know a 20 year old and a 21 year old in Saka to produce every week and you know as we saw last season Saka was brilliant but towards the end of the season he looked he look burnt out and even this season I don't think he started that well so I think what you need is, that, is those options of high quality players that are ready to step into the first team and I can't say that Marquinhos and Vieira are that so that, that would be my issue with wing positions
1: Also in the transfer window Hector Bellerin uh, departed finally um, and I don't mean that in a negative way towards Hector Bellerin but we know this has been on the cards for a long long time he put out a really classy statement yeah. though, didn't he?
2: Yeah, yeah, and uh, look, I, it was quite emotional to be honest because he's had such a long association with the club. Um, when he first came through, you know, he looked like a world beater in the making. He really did. Like, he's sort of bursting runs from from deep, which is what Arsene Wenger loved from his from his fullbacks. It was just so exciting to see. Um, you know, he's he's sort of crossing, and and final product wasn't always there, but he just created chaos. He just was such a such a frightening prospect for for defenders and uh, yeah he had an unfortunate knee injury that I think really hampered his progress because he was a player that was quite reliant on pace Mm. Um, and he really didn't live up to expectations probably a lot of it not his fault and then yeah he sort of fell out of the team and couldn't get back in but yeah it's a real sort of sense of shame that I feel with Bellerin because I think of what he could have been And so many players like that that come through Arsenal and you look at their raw talent and say, this guy is going to be the next big thing, you know, like Jack Wilshere and players like that. And Bellerin as well when he came through. And yeah, I mean, it was a case where we had to move him on. He completely understands that, as you say, put out a really classy, respectful statement. And I wish him all the best at Barca, I really
1: do. Yeah, me too. Me too. I pretty much echo everything you've said. You kind of hit the nail on the head there um, just a quick reminder if you haven't done so already why haven't you hit the like button there's over 450 of you with us live right now and we've only got 61 likes on the board come on guys come on smash it um, smash it Look, let's, um, let's wrap up the transfer window talk right yeah. because one thing I'm really conscious of is sort of putting a downer on what's been a great start to the season, what's been a very exciting start to the season. So many of our young players stepping up, continuing their development. So many of our new players having an impact straight away. I think there are tactical improvements. I think there are physical improvements. I think there's so much to be positive about right now that what happened yesterday on transfer deadline day, Arsenal missing out on a target at the last minute, shouldn't overshadow that. You know, So we've got to be careful not to kind of get drawn into this yeah. negativity again. I, I really don't want to do that. So I, I, let's draw a line under the transfer window yeah, stuff. It's done. If we see down the line it's impacted us, then of course we're well within our rights to bring it up and discuss it then. But for now, all attention has to turn to Old Trafford on Sunday. I'll be going up to Old Trafford. I'm hoping to bring you guys some content uh, from the ground, probably post-match. Uh, maybe a little bit pre-match as well, because um, I'm traveling up there with a friend of mine who, um, yeah, is uh, is pretty good behind a microphone and a camera as well. So, uh, yeah, we'll keep you guys posted on that. But Manchester United coming up, based on what we know, injury news-wise, it is really, really difficult now to yeah. kind of to pick the team. Normally, I bring up the tactics board. I haven't got that with me here because I'm at the studio. But today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favourite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Normally, I bring that up and I walk you guys through my starting eleven for the game. But it's so hard to do this time yeah. because of the fact that there's rumours Ben White's got a problem. There's rumours Ramsdale might not make it. There's rumours that, uh, you know, Zinchenko has a... Well, we know that Zinchenko has a problem. I just I'm finding it really difficult to kind of yeah. nail down a team. I guess for me, what I would do, assuming those players do make it is basically named the same side that played Villa. Um, is there anything that you'd do differently?
2: Yeah, I mean, depending on, on injuries, I think, as I mentioned earlier, I, I probably would go with Zinchenko in, in midfield, because I feel like that's one of the reasons we, we bought him. Obviously, he's meant to be, you know, competition for Tierney, but he's come straight into the team, he's, he's been that good. But I feel like another reason is because he can play in midfield. And, you know, we've got two big injuries in that position, why not use him for the purpose I think he was brought in to do? Yeah. And as, as I mentioned, I, I just fear for Lokonga because, you know, it's going to be a raucous atmosphere. United are going to be up for it. And when United are up for it, we saw what they did against Liverpool. And I think if he has a bit of a nervous start to the game, it could go bad.
1: I do think, though, that Mikel Arteta's comments basically rule out Zinchenko. I know that we, we suggested but, that he might be playing his cards yeah. close to his chest and all of that. But To say he's not know. trained, he's missed both games, the likelihood of him starting on Sunday. It
2: could be one of them things where he's just trying to trick us, couldn't it?
1: It could it, be. It, I wouldn't totally dismiss uh, that, because unlikely.
2: Don't, I don't think we'd hear rumours that he's it back in training if there was absolutely nothing to it. And I but doesn't like, it
1: just prove that they were maybe just rumours?
2: Well, I don't know because maybe Arteta is saying he, he missed today's session. Or did he, did he say he missed today's session, or no, he so said he's not been? He said
1: he's all? not been able to train with the team. There were oh. pictures the other day yeah, of I've Zinchenko done. in training. Yeah. Um.
2: I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard, isn't it? But what, what I will say is, if he's fit, I, I will play him in the midfield. But obviously, if not, I agree with you, and I'll go with the same team. Obviously, Ben White, if he's out, it's not really a big deal because we got Tommy Asu at, at right back. And actually, I think that could be that could be an option, just to have a slightly bit more defensive stability, a bit more comfortable in the ball. Even though I did think Ben White was excellent again, that's against Aston Villa. I think he was so confident, and he's grown in confidence in that in that role. Um, but yeah, I think probably stick with it, with the same team at Villa if the if there's no change of injuries. Um, but it's still going to be a tough game, Harry. I really do. I think the key battles are going to be um, how how much Gabriel Martinelli can, can sort of attack Diogo Dallo and if Tierney continues to overlap like he did against Villa um, I think we can cause some problems there I think Saka's going to have a bit of a tough game against Malassia because I think he's a really good player uh, from what I've seen so far he looks really competent um, and yeah I think maybe Jesus against Martinez is going to be a really key battle it's going to be interesting to see how Martinez sort of deals with him because he looks quite rash isn't he he looks like He goes in for those full-blooded challenges, and he he won't back down. So I think if I was Arteta, I'd say to Jesus, you know, not rough him up a bit, but try and take him on as much as you can and try and make him commit a foul. Um, And I'd say the same to to Saka as well, if he's coming in from that side. Um, The midfield of United doesn't really bother me that much, depending on if Casemiro plays. I think Casemiro is built for games like this, so I would be surprised if if he doesn't play. Um, but I think if he's not, that's definitely an area that we can exploit. Scott McTominay I don't rate whatsoever, so I'd quite fancy our chances. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's a really interesting game for loads of reasons. Um, yeah, we'll just have to see how it goes.
1: Is there a part of you that thinks we have to kind of strip it back a little bit in terms of the way we've approached games so far this season? So obviously we've got a plan A and, and you yeah. want to implement plan A as much as you possibly can at every opportunity. I look at that Manchester United team and I think that yes you can hurt them with that high press mm. and yes y- you could force them long potentially which nowadays we're much more well equipped to deal with yeah but is there a part of you that thinks maybe we do need to chill it a little bit mm. drop off a little bit maybe not be so high up in our defensive line it would go against everything that we've done so far this yeah. season But would it show that we have a different side to us? And is this the occasion to now go out there and showcase that? Because, you know, playing really high up, yes, we've got Saliba. Yes, we've got Gabriel. But somebody like Marcus Rashford, for example, will be sitting there hoping that Arsenal play that way. And that's where I'm a little bit... like, You know, when you're a massive team, when you're a great team, you don't look at what the other team do. Right? You, you look at certain things and certain aspects, certain elements, certain nuances, and you do what you can to try and nullify those. Yeah. But overall, you stick to your game plan. I mean, we haven't seen Liverpool in recent years go to Old Trafford and sit back and right. soak up pressure. We don't see Manchester City doing that. Ultimately, that's where we want to be someday. Yeah. Are Arsenal at the point now where they can go to Old Trafford and go, nope, this is our game, we're going to play it? Or are we still in the stage where we need to be thinking seriously long yeah. and hard about our approach yeah. in response to what's likely to be Manchester United?
2: Well I think yeah at the current stage we're at we, we alter our game plan to the opponent and you know I think Liverpool went into that game against United thinking that they'd blow them away because United have been in such poor form and they got the shock of their lives and I think if Klopp could have had that again and known you know, somehow knowing that, that Man United were going to turn up like that, I don't think he would have gone into the game with that approach because they just completely ripped them to shreds on the counter-attack. And what I fear is if it's an open game, United could, could do that to us. And as I say, Lokonga in the midfield, could they could do a similar job. Um, what they did to Fabinho, they could do that to Lokonga. And not, is not you know, half the, the player that Fabinho is. So I think definitely we have to try and, and grind out a result. Just look back to the last time we won at Old Trafford in the Premier League we put in a really dogged defensive display um, there was you know El Elneny I think was man of the match putting an unbelievable you know energetic display there I think we need to do something similar to that try and hit him on the counter because at the end of the day like you're looking at Rashford looking at Jadon Sancho you at Bruno Fernandes and maybe Anthony their new signing might play or if not it'll be Anthony Elanga. and that you know them us running backwards with them running at us frightens me a bit um, because you look at sort of players one-on-one, I think out of those four, if you're talking about White, Saliba, Tierney and Gabriel, out of the four, the only one that I'd really trust to sort of go toe-to-toe and deal with in a fast attacking player like that is Saliba. The others I'd have question marks about. We've seen Gabriel a few times be a bit clumsy when someone's running directly at him. Um, Tierney as well, not not the most solid defensively. And Ben White as well, I think he can get caught out for pace. So... I think it would be really naive to go there and just, just try and play the same way that we play against, you know, Aston Villa and Fulham and, uh, and, and Leicester and teams like that. I think it would. So, you know, and I've, I think we would take a draw. Like, if I ask you right now, if we put in a dogged defensive display and sit back and soak the pressure up and we get a draw out of it, you'd take I'll it. I'd take it, it absolutely. Take yeah, it.
1: yeah, absolutely. Because you stay unbeaten. And, you know, at the point where people say... You know, look at Arsenal, they, they're doing well, they're flying, but they haven't had a test yet. This is a test. Whatever mm. state Manchester United are in, whatever level they're at, whatever stage they are at in their process, it, Man United away is a test for Arsenal. You go there, you get the result, you get out of there. I'd be delighted with that. I really, really would. Um, you mentioned that, you know, Tierney has been a little bit suspect defensively. Mm. What do you think should be the remit for Kieran Tierney this weekend? Because against Villa the other night he was asked to step into that midfield we saw it a lot in the way that Zinchenko does and I thought he looked uncomfortable doing it Yeah. and this is one of the points yeah. one of the examples of what I'm talking about you go away to Man United I think kirantini has got to play as a left back yeah. not as a midfielder yeah. but then how not as a sorry left back that shifts into midfield but then how do you help Lukonga out yeah. in the way that we've been helping him out already because there's there's a balance to find. You, you yeah. can't have Tierney stepping inside and give yeah. Anthony, for example, if he plays, the freedom of the right flank. Equally, you can't have Kieran Tierney tied to the flank and therefore not being able to tuck inside and, and help Lukonga. So does Xhaka drop back? Does Odegaard, if he's fit, drop back? This is what I'm talking about. There have to be so many tweaks to the mm. team in order to stand the best chance. And, and we're going to learn a lot about yeah. whether Mikel Arteta and his players can carry that out.
2: Yeah, so for me, I think we play with the same system but slightly tweak it out of possession. I think Xhaka drops back into a double pivot out of, pos- out of possession and that helps Lokonga. Um, so that leaves Tierney wider, but then Martinelli basically plays like an you know, auxiliary wing-back, essentially, because he can do that. He's got the engine to do that. He's got the work rate to do that. And I think that's how we try and deal with it, because I think looking at United, the majority of the threat for them will be down the wings. For me, their most dangerous players are uh, Jaden Sancho, um, Bruno Fernandes often pulls out wide as well, doesn't need to, to combine with them, um, and then the the attacking fullbacks. So for me, that will be the areas that I would focus, and I'd use Xhaka to sort of drop in next to Lukonga and, and, and do that do that job. But I think the the, way, the reason we're different, Harry, nowadays is because Gabriel Jesus and what he offers to us defensively. We've not had a striker that can do that, you know, pressing and, and chasing down opponents in a long, long time. So I think he sets the tone and he sort of leads leads the press and drops back. And at times, like you'll see him playing it, dropping into left back because he's, he's that committed to helping the team. So I think even though there, there is a concern and it's going to be a tough game, I just look at us... At how we might set up t- t- uh, tactically and look at us mentally and the way that we've you know had this f- mental fortitude to be able to respond to to conceding S- in so many games now we did against Leicester twice yep. I think we came back after two and one minute and two minutes we did against Fulham and we did it against Villa so for me this team has the mentality to do it it's just whether they whether they turn up on the night and how they respond to, to the sort of cauldron that will be Old Trafford I think the only similar-ish atmosphere we can we can think of that we've experienced this season is Selhurst Park away. Um, yeah. That's that's a tough place to go to, and we completely flopped last season. Um, so if the players can sort of react and respond as they did in that game, and they can carry that through and do that against United, I think I think we'll be all right. I'm not.
1: There was a part of me while we were having that discussion that thought maybe we're overthinking this a little bit, and maybe that we're not giving. Arsenal enough credit for where they are at present. And some of the comments uh, sort of back that up. Uh, Nikomo says, you guys are overthinking it. Why can't Arsenal just go and uh, impose ourselves? Uh, Paul says, we'll find out if we've learned anything from last season. We lost to Spurs because we tried to play our normal game without the players to do it. Jay says, "Uh, people are going on like United, a city. They're shambolic, so we've got to go for the win. Uh... Ray says, United struggled yesterday against Leicester. We shall beat them 1-0. Um, United are going to be up for it, says Lompreet. I'm sure they will, but we should be up for it as well. Like the, uh, this whole this team will be up for it. That, that doesn't wash with me. We should be up for it. The crowd at Old Trafford will be up for it. There's no doubt about that. But we need to go there and silence them early doors. We need to go in and put a performance and that will impact the atmosphere in itself, how, for sure.
2: How do you see it playing out then? Because I sort of answered on how we might approach it. Do you think we sort of go out and try and nick a goal in the first 15, 20 minutes, go hell for lever, or do you think we will sit off initially?
1: Looking at the way Arsenal have started games this season, I would say that we're going to go out there and try to get our noses in front. Um, it's clearly something that Mikel Arteta is really big on and there's been times this season where I've looked at us and gone if we don't get the first goal in the first 20 minutes then it becomes a different game and I'm not sure we're as well equipped to play that game we put a lot of energy into the opening stages of games and we need to get the reward for it ultimately Mm. Um, it may not be as gung-ho away at Old Trafford as it would be at home to to Fulham or at home to Villa or at home to Leicester Um, but I do think that there will be a desire to start on the front foot because of the reasons I've mentioned because you could potentially get your nose in front but it also helps you weather the storm created by the atmosphere. Um, so I think that's really, really and then, important. And
2: then go for the second, if we nick a goal, or do you think... Sit then,
1: back and... naturally, you drop off slightly, but not too much. Mm. I think one of the criticisms I've had of, an, of Mikel Arteta's Arsenal in the past is that we've got our noses in front and then reverted back to being defensive and, and ultimately not being good enough to then defend that lead. I still think that even though we've dramatically improved defensively we've got mistakes in us at the back Mm. you look at the goals we've conceded this season and they're mistakes they're they're switch off moments and you can't have those when you've got a one-goal lead luckily we've had the firepower this year Mm. to go down the other end and put that right so I I don't think you can drop off too much but naturally you're gonna be a little bit more reserved Mm. and a little bit more sensible in your starting positions Um, guys quick reminder leave a like on the video if you haven't done so already we've got 116 likes on the board still nowhere near good enough let's get up to 250 at least there are more than enough of you watching uh make sure you subscribe to the channel if you are new and i just want to quickly bring you guys' attention to our good friends over at football prizes the link is in the description and for your opportunity to win two arsenal versus psv eindhoven hospitality tickets or one of 10 instant win prizes Click the link in the description um, and uh, you can purchase your ticket there. Tickets cost £9.95. There are 149 in the draw. The competition ends on Tuesday, the 6th of September at 7.30. But as is usually the case with these football prizes draws, it doesn't go that long. Once the tickets are sold, they are sold. And 116 of the 149 have already gone. So the link is in the description. Get over there. Check it out. Okay, let's do a bit of a QA. and a uh, for the last sort of 15 minutes of the show uh, Start throwing your questions in uh, I'd love to hear from you guys And we'll get through as many of those as we can uh, In the allotted time uh, Just sort of catching up on what people have been saying about the approach Anakin says fast start dominant uh, Is the way we need to go get the crowd on side Uh what else have we got? Uh, Ayush is pretty confident, it seems, uh, because of how United played against Leicester City. I think this is a totally different game. Raphael says, we should not be afraid of United or any other team. All we need to do is be ruthless in finishing off our chances. The team is ready for this. Jabu says, we will suffocate them so much, they won't know what hit them. The only way we lose is if we don't take our chances. Um, question here. Harry, if Odegaard is out, who do you want in his place? Um, Emil Smith-Rowe?
2: I really hope Odegaard's not Al. <laughs> that, that's my response to that. He's been so key to what, to everything good we've done this season. Chipping him with goals as well, three goals. So, oh my God, I, I don't want to think about that. Uh, but yeah, I guess if I have to pick a replacement, it's going to be who who came on for him against Villa, and that would be Smith-Rowe. But do I think he'll, you know... Be able to replicate what what Odegaard can do? No, no, I don't really.
1: It's hard though, isn't it? Because yeah. like Smith Rowe, I think gives you all of the the number tenish bits. Yeah. In that he'll get forward, he'll he'll play passes. He, I think he's a good carrier of the ball, Mills Smith Rowe. But will he give you the work rate? Will he give you the press that Martin Odegaard does? The, the vision I don't of think passing
2: so. range. Mm-hmm. So it's a big. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, I think this game really is dependent on us having these key players fit and. If, this is a complete guess, but my feeling is that Odegaard and Ramsdale play because from what I saw, it didn't look like key in, big injuries that will keep them out of a game like this. Zinchenko, I'm a bit less sure, but you know, fingers crossed. Uh,
1: let's take this one uh, from Riddy, who says, "Do you guys think we'll do business in January?" We can kind of tie it up with Russ's question: Do you see us going after Douglas Luiz? In January? I, I'll answer this one. I think it's way too early to know what we're going to do in January. Um, I always say this I think when clubs plan, they look at the January window, generally speaking, as a window to go and rectify wrongs and to plug holes where necessary. But I don't think it builds into people's plans all that much, yeah. maybe as it does um, in the fans' eyes. Uh, what else have we got? Um, Jid says Do you think it's time to start Eddie? At whose expense though, Mike, if that was to be the case?
2: I think he's been so good as as an impact sub. I don't see why, I don't see why he needs to start. I think he was, I was saying to you earlier, but he was unbelievable. He was unbelievable against against Villa when he came on, and he looked like a different player, didn't he? If you think think about the iteration of Eddie Nketiah a year ago, and this time a year ago, and there's actually games last season where he came on and I thought he was really poor you know, couldn't, couldn't really get up to the speed with the game, didn't have the intensity, his touch was lacking. And I look at him now and he looks he looks like a different player completely. And I think he's been brilliant and he's so good at relieving the pressure in the in the final, you know, 10, 15 minutes of the game. He's such a great outlet. He, you know, puts himself about, he's he's quick. Like, I didn't know he had that pace. Did you know he had that pace as well? Like, when I saw him, I can't remember who the defender was, but he... he he pushed it past the defender and sprinted round him like it was nothing. I don't remember ketty ever having that burst of speed.
1: He's always been sharp over sort of short distances and he's always had that burst, but we've never really seen him play as the kind of guy that's off the shoulder. Oh. And when we were sort of defending against Aston Villa and he came on and he had that opportunity to break away with the ball, I think we really got yeah. an opportunity to see that. Um, Delisu says Would you start Tommy Asu Ahead of Ben White On Sunday I don't see any reason Unless we need to use Ben White in another position yeah. To mess around With that really
2: No No I think I think leave it as it is As I say Ben White um, Really impressed me So I I think maybe there's, there's an argument To say that If he's not 100% fit That you, that you put Tommy Asu In and there's even Arguments to say He might benefit from, from Tommy Asu Going forward He's a bit more secure On the ball I think um, but it's not, Ben White's not done anywhere near enough to be able to, to be able to drop him. Um, so no, no, I think that stays. Just thinking about what we could maybe do, because I just had not think about it, if Odegaard is out. I mean, I've not seen him ever play this position, but I think about the player that he is and what he could do. If we sort of switch to a four-two-three-one and played Eddie up top and maybe dropped Jesus into a sort of second striker role, hmm. a bit of a bit of a number ten. Maybe that could work, but again, look, you, you're clutching the straws already, aren't you, really? Like, Oduhad has to play for it to work.
1: And I, and, I, and I think that as good as Eddie's been in these cameo performances, you'd still lose quite a bit up top Yeah. if you take Gabriel Jesus out of that yeah. position. I mean, you know, United haven't been massively confident so far this season. Lissandro Martinez has done okay after a shaky first couple of games. Rafael Varan, very experienced, very sort of decorated defender we know how good he can be but I really feel like Gabriel Jesus can really rattle those two Mm. in the way he's physical in the way he puts himself about in the way he runs channels the energy that he displays so regularly I I do think that we'd lose an awful lot if we took him out of that position Um, Queen Bone uh, says Harry Mike apart from signings what's been the biggest difference this season in comparison to the last. I asked this to Adrian Clark yesterday. Yeah. Um, what do you think is the biggest difference?
2: Biggest difference is mentality for me because mentality um, it not only makes you sort of run run harder, run faster, be more committed, uh, be more, you know, have that sort of edge, um, but it also, you know, when you go behind, you don't think, oh, shit, you know, we're terrible coming from behind. The whole crowd, when we've gone, when we've conceded, not even gone behind necessarily, have thought we're going to score. And there's that anticipation in the crowd. When I was at when I was went to the Leicester game, you know that Saliba and goal. First, the first thing the fans did was chance Saliba's name and spur the team on. There was not that, you know, sigh. There was not that. Uh, you know, expectance that you know we're in for another tough day here. It was like we're going to score and we're going to score right now. I think that really boosts the team, but it does come from the team ultimately. They they believe that that what Arteta is doing is correct. They know their roles now. I think they've been given a bit more freedom as well um, to to sort of be be more expressive um, in their particular in their particular roles, and it's just it's just all paying off at the moment. It's sort of everything that, that we're doing on the training ground I feel like is, is coming to fruition whereas before you know, there were some players that didn't really understand the, the, the tactical element, Martinelli especially I think he really benefited from, um, from having a spell out of the team because it just made him work even harder to understand exactly what Arteta wanted him to do and now he's, he's reaping the benefits so yeah, m- mentality m- more tactical awareness and just Jesus basically
1: indeed Uh, let's take one more and then we're going to wrap it up Um, what have we got here in the chat box Um, PJ Kitely floats the idea of Saliba playing as a defensive midfielder I think if any of our centre-backs should play as a defensive midfielder it should be Ben White for me Um, the idea of weakening that centre of defence doesn't appeal to me
2: and what would that say to Lukonga you know, yeah. you put in a really good display. This
1: was this was the other thing as well. Take him out. Because I think it was, was it Clive from Arsenal Vision put a tweet out that I, I really um, wholeheartedly agree with. Look at that. Someone's just said, Harry, your phone torch is on. What a hero. You've just saved my battery. <laughs> Incredible uh, spot that. Thank you so much. Um, look, I'm it there. You can see it. <laughs> terrible. Um, and he said something, Clive said something along the lines of, yeah. You have all these injuries and you don't play Lukonga, you kind of kill him. Yeah. And then what was the point in investing in him? And I think there's a balance to be found, isn't yeah. there? Like, we're all panicking. Um, you know, we all want the team to be as strong as it possibly can be. But there's going to come times where we've got to just put our faith in Sambi Lukonga and trust that he can do the job that he was brought to the club yep. to do. And um, it's as simple as that for me. Uh, Ayush says, Harry, your face, it looks like Mitrovic. Cheers I've never heard that one before Mad Mad. It will never end It will never end Unless you get
2: Mitrovic on the chronicles And tell him that You're not related It it
1: always ends though It it stops when they Get relegated Which normally (laughs) happens But maybe not this year We'll see If he scores against Spurs You're going to get it Even more I'll love it then I'll take it (laughs) Take it on board Um, Guys, we have been going the best part of an hour, so we're going to leave it there. Uh, Remember, leave a like on the video if you haven't done so already. Make sure you're subscribed if you're new uh, so that we can uh, get to that 24K mark as soon as possible here on YouTube. If you're listening on audio, please do leave us a review. We'll be back with some more content over the weekend, focusing on that big game at Old Trafford this Sunday. Uh, Mike is going to make his way over to the... uh, computer to end the stream Uh, and uh, we'll uh, see you all very, very soon. Until next time, take care of yourselves and uh, up the arsenal. Come on, you Gunners.